This is Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn practical strategies to drive consistent and predictable growth. In this episode, Databox CEO Pete Caputa chats with Lauren Ryan, owner of Coastal Consulting, to learn how she transitioned to a successful solopreneur who's booked more than 300K in revenue this year alone. You'll get a behind-the-scenes look at her marketing and revenue numbers. You'll also learn why she only focuses on doing one service, how that's helped her own the first page of Google for any keyword related to her service, driving 6.3 thousand sessions a month, her highest sources of leads, how she leverages content creation on LinkedIn and TikTok to drive inbound leads, and her approach to webinar-style education. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Metrics and Chill. This is a behind-the-benchmarks edition where we have a special guest come on and share how they've gotten where they've gotten, but also share very intimate details about uh, their performance, their sales and marketing and financial performance. So today on the hot seat is Lauren Ryan um, from Coastal Consulting, uh, founder, CEO, chief marketing nerd, as I think it said on your website. Is that right? Um, That's and correct. as I just learned, also sort of a solopreneur. You have your sister working in the business part-time, but otherwise it's you. You're the only full-time person. That's correct, right? That's correct. We had six employees at our peak. Um, we started the year with three and we're down to two. I found that our business model worked well if it was just me. And then it got a little wonky when we grew. So it turns out that I'm not a business to scale. I'm just a lifestyle business that does a good job for me and my sister. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, yeah, you, you shared some of it. We, we'll go through some of the numbers in a bit, but you shared some of the numbers and you're doing very well. Uh, for you and your sister, it seems. Uh, so you should totally be proud of that. And also, I'm really, it's like, I think you might be the first, like, person on this, on a, on our webinar where we're like, they shrunk their team by one-sixth. <laughs> um, and, or by five-sixths, I should say. And because usually what we're highlighting here are people are like, growing, growing, growing. And so you have taken a different approach, not growing the team, but growing margins quite a bit. So we'll talk about um, how you've gone. Yeah, and. To add some context to that, we were the story of growing, growing, growing. So when I started Coastal, we were one of the fastest agencies to ever hit platinum. Um, we yes. hit platinum with five team members and we hit platinum, I think, six months after becoming a partner. And what? And then we hit diamond <laughs> really quickly thereafter. And okay. so we were that growth story. And then I found that our project-based model did not create enough revenue to keep a larger team size. And then whenever budgets froze mid-2022, I had to do layoffs because I was like, we don't have any income coming in. So I have found that for me as a leader, I prefer to have a smaller team just because I feel more secure <laughs> with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just what's worked. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I I, I have a lot of solopreneur friends. Um, I, I have admiration and sometimes jealousy for, for my solopreneur friends, like thinking about the fact that you don't have the responsibility of other people uh, and you get to make decisions and do the work. And so uh, I, I totally get where you're coming from. My next business will be a, a solo venture for sure. Um, so just for background, you shared a little uh, just a second ago um, that you are a HubSpot partner um, and that you rose to platinum and then diamond really quickly. Um, when you said um, platinum and diamond, you didn't uh, say HubSpot. So some of our audience will have no idea what that is without knowing 
uh, HubSpot. So I'm just clarifying for the audience. Um, but um, as you know, I spent a lot of time building out the HubSpot partner programs, passion. I wore my my HubSpot um, beanie. This is like a um, OG HubSpot beanie. If anyone in HubSpot ever gets and makes new ones, I'd love a new one because it's starting to come um, come apart at the top. But um, but yeah, so I'm wearing my HubSpot beanie. We're going to talk about HubSpot, uh, your your path as a HubSpot partner, and we're going to share data about how your business your business performance compares to other platinum, diamond, and elite HubSpot partners. So I'm going to get into that, and then we're going to use the data to kind of talk about your story and how you got from where you are and the things that you're doing that are working in your business. Because I can see as a solo, you're actually crushing like some other agencies and most of the agencies in this group, I would say are, are like at least 25 employees. I don't know exactly, but my guess is that most of them are around the 20, 25 employee mark. Um, mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you have way fewer resources, but you're crushing some of them on sales and marketing. So I'm going to bring up the screen. We'll look at it together. Obviously the, the people listening to this won't see it, but I will try to explain what, what we're looking at. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone can follow along. Yep. Very grateful for how we've been able to perform for sure. All right. So bringing up the data now. So we are, once again, we're in a, we're looking at benchmark data. This is a benchmark group, we call it, where companies can join and then it's all anonymous. They can connect their data um, from any system. In this case, we're going to look at HubSpot marketing data, HubSpot CRM data. Um, and then once they connect that data, they can see how they perform, they're performing compared to the rest of the members in the group. Now, this is a group I built and managed. There are 88 HubSpot top tier partners in this group. So it's a really good uh, representative sample of, I think, the 600 or so platinum, diamond, and elite partners. Um, and so when we go through these numbers, this is what a typical performance of a top tier HubSpot partner is. All right, so let's let's start at the top. Um, I'm going to start with your kind of your website traffic data, and I'm going to read it off, and then we'll talk a little bit about your traffic traffic information. Then we're going to talk a little bit about your middle of the funnel, how you convert um, your traffic and the and the leads, and then we'll get into some sales and uh, financial data as well. All right, so on the session side, you last month had six point three thousand sessions uh, to your website, and if I look at um, your performance here, I can see that it's been going up quite a bit over the last few months. Like in May and June, you had like 4.4, 3,000. And then it kind of steadily has risen almost every month to where last month was 6.3,000 sessions per month. Um, just to put that in contrast, like you're outperforming 64% of the companies in your group, which again, are much bigger businesses with probably more money and time spent on marketing. And also put it in context, over that time period, um, the traffic that the median group company in that group has actually dropped from May all the way through to September. It was a little bit higher in October for the group. Um, but uh, it's probably safe to say that most of these agencies have really flat traffic, whereas yours is growing. So um, let me finish out the traffic stats, and then we'll talk about why you think that is. Um, look at your page views per session. I can see you're at 1.27, which is slightly below the median. Um, you're, you're you're being 41% of the group. Uh, your average effort session length is 56 sec seconds, which is outperforming 57% of the companies in the group. Your bounce rate is 81%, which is outperforming 59% of the companies in the group. Um, and then just to round it out, because I think it looks like blogging is a, a key part of your strategy, um, you have published in total 134 blog posts, whereas the group, the median, 
has um, published 197. And that includes some people that have been like blogging since um, before I had to wear a hat to cover up my balding head, right? They've been doing it for 15 years um, on the HubSpot platform. So you've kind of caught up. And then it looks like you're outpacing them a bit. You published five posts last month where the median of the group is three. Um, now, blogging, of course, doesn't explain your entire strategy uh, in terms of growing traffic, but I imagine it's a piece of it. But what is your reaction to those stats? Obviously, congratulations on crushing most of them. Um, but what are your what's your reaction? Thank you. I am so proud of our website performance. So when I first started Coastal, my first hire was a marketing partner at my previous organization. And so she was very passionate about SEO. So we prioritized SEO from day one. And what I have found in the paid game is as soon as you stop paying, it goes away, right? So when you do paid Google ads, as soon as you stop playing, it goes away. And also, whenever you're very small, you don't have enough money to play. So <laughs> it is a game and we knew that we were not going to play well there. And we actually surveyed our audience, our customers, and none of them looked at paid ads on Google um, because they're all marketers. So they know what it is. They scroll past. So we decided SEO was the game from day one. Okay. So if you search around the HubSpot Salesforce integration, we're on page one for almost everything you search. Oh, and wow. we come right after HubSpot whenever it comes to search articles. And if it's not our website directly, it's our Salesforce consulting partner listing or our HubSpot partner listing. So I'm very, very proud of our SEO performance because we're two and a half years in. Um, we turned three in March of the next year. So to be performing so well in SEO has really been our secret. So we work with an SEO firm. I'll give them a shout out. Their name's Content Mender. And Ron and his team has been great in educating us and helping us with the technical side of SEO. Um, but I think our real secret to why our content does so well and our website performs so well, and I don't say this in an egotistical way, is that I write our content. And the reason that that is successful <laughs> The reason that's successful is because I am a technical person. Um, I am the services delivery person. I've been working in HubSpot and Salesforce for eight to 10 years. And so when I write content, I'm writing it for the end user. I'm writing it as me being the audience. So when people read our downloadables, they read our blog, they read this different content, like it's coming from an executor like them, an end user. So instead of hiring a person who specializes in content that's interviewing a subject matter expert and then creating the content, I'm just writing it myself. And we get our content directly from client calls. So I'm on a call with a client. We're talking about a topic. When I get off, I throw it in our blog ideas bin. Or we're on social media. We see what people engage with a post and we put that in our blog pile. Or we're on intro calls. I use the language that people say on intro calls in our content. And yeah. then when people are searching in their own native language, their own like natural language, we come up. Hey, just a quick interruption. In past episodes, you've heard guests give advice like... The first step is just like actually measuring and monitoring, right? Which sounds very fundamental, but a lot of companies don't even do that, right? If you ask for like, hey, do you have a monthly kind of report of like what's happening in the funnel. It's like, oh, well, we have this over here and we have this over here and we have the traffic data and GA. So the first thing I think is like build out, you know, a presentation uh, that you're updating every single month. Or it's way easier if you have all this stuff being centralized somewhere and can look at it. 
And I promise that's completely unprompted. We try to book smart B2B leaders and learn how they're driving more predictable growth, and they end up sharing advice like that. And Databox makes it easy to do all of that and more. You can track your marketing, sales, revenue, and CS performance all in one place. It lets you build custom dashboards and view metrics from over 80 tools side by side. You can schedule PDF reports that automatically update your data in real time and send to your team or your clients. You can even set up custom Slack alerts that alert you when you hit your goals or when numbers spike or dip. If you want to try it totally free, just go to databox.com or click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. And so... That is what has made our blog strategy really successful. Is, is the driver then of mm-hmm. all that traffic? That's really that's really what you're doing. You're not doing paid. I noticed you started to do more on social. It, uh, you're probably not getting a lot of website traffic because social doesn't send a lot of website traffic, um, unfortunately. But uh, but what? How does that factor in the social stuff? So we actually do get quite a bit of web traffic from social, which is nice, okay. but. Our primary drivers for traffic are organic social by far, um, the HubSpot directory, because if you search for Salesforce amongst HubSpot partners, we come up. Um, okay. Even though we're a lower tier with less reviews, we come up because we're Salesforce optimized everywhere. Um, okay. But I made a pact. Right now we're in Q4 of 2023 as we record this. I made a pact with my sister. Okay, we've been inconsistent this year. We have been focused on services delivery. And with a smaller team, I've had less time to create content. So we said every day of Q4, we're going to have a TikTok posted, a LinkedIn post, and a blog post once a week and a marketing email once a week. So you've seen me more on LinkedIn recently, and that's because I made an oath (laughs) that I would be there. And so last week I went to a conference, so I missed the blog and I missed the TikTok every day. Um, But... We are getting back on track this week. It's been the first time I've fallen off. And right now we're mid-November. So we've had 45 days at least of consistent posting every day. And you're great. Every day. Uh, every day. Blog, TikTok, and so and LinkedIn? Or Blog is TikTok once a week. Blog is once a week. Okay. And that TikTok yeah. and LinkedIn every day. Okay. Got yeah. It. That's cool. Did you see my post, my LinkedIn post this morning about yes. uh, how I post uh, to LinkedIn every single day? And it got like, 50 people chiming in saying, oh, you're the, you're like, somebody even wrote, Pete, you're a unicorn, right? Because I'm Blair mm-hmm. and CEOs do that. But there's another one. So you're, you're also a unicorn. Uh, you're taking the yeah. time, dedicating the time to put. So why are you doing that? You're saying that actually is the number one driver of your search, of your website traffic? Uh, third driver. So first is organic search. Second yeah. is HubSpot referrals. And third is uh, social. Makes sense. Total sense. Okay. And also and by people through, yeah. coming in from the directory or you must also get like actual referrals from. So, so it's coming in from the directory, but the biggest yeah. secret that I can give to any HubSpot partner is to post your downloadables on the resource center. So you can submit your PDF guides and stuff like that, your landing pages to the HubSpot resource center. And there's a partner resources section and they promote your articles through email marketing. So okay. we get hundreds of downloads a month through HubSpot Resource Center directing to our downloadable guides. Um, oh, I so if you go on like HubSpot.com and click resources, like there's eBooks and recorded webinars and other stuff. So you can submit your resources there and that drives, drives traffic and signups because HubSpot gets what so much like, traffic. 10, 10 million sessions a month to their website. So, so, so. For sure. So if you can find a way to like hop on that traffic, <laughs> Yeah. They will already help perform me. 
That's really cool. I had no idea that was even feasible. Most partners probably keep that one secret. Um, the, the directory is obvious that you should optimize the directory, but that one might be a little secret. Is that like a certain tier level? You have to be diamond to be able to do that or something? I think you have to be gold. Um, it might be platinum. It might be platinum, but I think it's gold to just submit your resources. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Because I've been doing that since day one. I saw that drink partner onboarding three years ago and was like, I'm doing that because we are, my main thing is I've always led with content. Like Coastal, we solve for the HubSpot Salesforce integration, but my goal has always been education first. So courses, blog, downloadables, all of that is what I lead with. And services yeah. are an afterthought that kind of pay the bills. <laughs> You know, I often joke or I have joked before where I'm like, I run a SaaS company so that I can take some of that money and invest it in content because I like creating content. Of course, the content. Exactly. Content. Um, but yeah, it feels sometimes it feels a little backward. Um, let's back up a little bit because um, I realized we haven't talked about what you do. Um, and so just to illustrate something that should be obvious at this point in the conversation for people, but if I go to your website, um, I look at your H1, your header tag, your headline, and it literally says, fix the HubSpot Salesforce integration. So that is, you're probably the only one, only HubSpot partner, that, at least that I know, where you are 100% all in on this service. Um, it's not like, I'm sure there are many other, I know there are many other HubSpot partners that like also have expertise in building the sales, it, configuring or implementing or tweaking the Salesforce integration. But you're the only one I know where it's like front and center. It's the only thing you do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get there? How did you, how did you get to that niche? Because I think that niche actually helps you market, right? Um, a, a lot. Not just, not just Big time. <laughs> focused and probably Google sees your whole website as an authority on HubSpot plus Salesforce, but also because now you have a reputation. People can easily remember what you do. Um, things like that. But yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. So I'm a technical executor. Um, I taught myself how to use Salesforce Marketing Cloud in four months, like SQL from the ground up. I am very skilled at getting in there and getting my hands dirty. But I have a psychology major, <laughs> a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in business. So in the way that I communicate and approach the world, I'm a marketer first. So whenever I decided to start my own company, I came from a corporate background. So I started working for logistics companies. One of the companies I worked for was like the FedEx of France, like a very large logistics company. And then I worked in financial, like I worked for a credit union. So I came from legacy B2B sales of just very old systems, very old tech. And so the companies I worked with had Salesforce because that is the legacy tech that we use. Um, yeah, that still has a lot of merits. There's a lot of merits there. Salesforce is a great platform, but it is a legacy system as opposed to using HubSpot as a CRM. That's more on trend than a legacy approach. Um, yeah. And the marketing team, marketing is often a source of innovation in companies. And so even in these legacy tools, the VP of marketing was like, I want attribution. I want email marketing. I want automation. And so I worked under some really amazing female bosses who got in there and made innovation happen and bring HubSpot in. And so I worked with the HubSpot Salesforce integration from my very first career job to now. And so I saw how that can connect legacy sales to innovative marketing. And I really liked that. And so while I was working for these companies, I also freelanced on the side because I never felt like I was learning enough. 
Like I learned one job, I knew how to do that one job, but now I want to learn everything. So I have freelanced in every marketing automation tool there is out there. I've used Marketo, I've used Active Campaign, all of it. And so through freelancing, while I had a full time job, I found HubSpot and Salesforce is where I want to be. So I started my company on a whim. I was having a negative experience at my job and said, you know what? I'll just freelance full time. Um, I didn't start with a business plan and I didn't come from a startup background. I came from corporate. So figuring out how to start an agency with a corporate background was interesting. But um, when it came to marketing, I understood the benefit of having a differentiated offering. So I looked at what do I know best and what can I speak to best? Mm -hmm. So I went with this. and through marketing HubSpot and Salesforce and the integration, I found a niche that nobody else was settling into because usually agencies are firmly camp HubSpot or firmly camp Salesforce. And so even just this morning, I had a call with someone who's not going to work with us, but they're just trying to figure out, should I use HubSpot or should I use Salesforce? And they look at me as an unbiased source to get that information Um, because I have pitched myself as both. People trust me. Um, And I'm usually pretty much in camp pump spot, but I uh, I will speak to the power of, yeah, I'll speak to the power of sales cloud, but I won't support any of Salesforce's marketing options because I've used them. So it's either use Salesforce and integrate HubSpot for marketing or use HubSpot for everything. That's my recommendation. Yeah, but car safe to say you don't get referrals from Salesforce. I do. Or you do get them. Yeah, I guess when they really need somebody like you, they, they probably yeah. don't have another option. I do. And what's funny is in my website traffic, the company that visits my website the most is Salesforce. Oh, um, that's followed well, followed are, closely yeah, by HubSpot. Yeah. The, how, how many, I think if employee wise, Salesforce must be like five, six X. Huge. So yeah, Salesforce and HubSpot employees visit my website a lot and they use my articles, especially account managers of saying, okay, the integration's falling apart and we don't know how to do that. So they reference my site. Um, okay. And a huge source of traffic is just account managers saying, hey, like my client doesn't know how to use this. And that comes from Salesforce and HubSpot. Okay, that's cool. All right, well, that's the power of the niche. I, most who follow me closely know that I'm a big advocate for service businesses, especially to pick a niche, especially if you're going to be a solopreneur, like you can't be all things to all people today. Like everything is just so freaking complicated. Um, and to be an expert at one thing is difficult. Uh, so Totally, totally on board with with the niching. And uh, like David Baker um, has some stats he uses. I don't know if you know David Baker, David C. Baker. Do you know him? I don't think so. So he, he's written a few books. One's The Business of Expertise. The other one's Secret Tradecraft of Elite, Elite Advisors. Uh, I think you'd really enjoy them both. I Start with the second one, yeah. Secret Tradecraft of Elite Advisors, if you want to read it. But in there, he talks about um, the, the first, first step is like carving out your niche. Uh, and... He talks about how to like size your market uh, and what he recommends for like a, an agency, a service business is something like pick a market with um, like two to 200 competitors and then pick a market with like two to 10,000 customers. And I'm, I'm guessing that if I were to look at the Venn diagram of people using HubSpot and Salesforce, that's probably 10,000, maybe 20,000 companies. Do you, do you have a feel for what that, how size, how big the market is? Um, an ex HubSpot person once told me that about 50% of HubSpot's customers also use Salesforce. So Man, that might be an old stat. I think that's an old stat. <laughs> that might be an old stat. So 
There's a decent percentage, though, because if you look at Salesforce's marketing options, they're pretty lacking. So people using Salesforce often go out to Marketo or HubSpot for marketing. So it's a pretty decent amount that's using an overlap. Yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah, there's probably um, very few HubSpot CRM users who use the Salesforce marketing cloud, but the, the other way around is is very common. It's pretty much what people use, I think, if you're a small business. Cool. So, all right. So you're niched. You're clearly doing a great job. You're the subject matter expert and you also enjoy creating content uh, and you're doing it not just on your website where you can get search traffic and you are, but also on social because you know that that's a good way to get word of mouth. I'm guessing. I'm sure you get referrals directly, increase directly <laughs> through the social platforms, right? Cool. So, uh, For sure. So, uh, so great background. Let's get back to the numbers a little bit. I'm going to look next at your uh, at your conversion stats on your website here. Let me share the screen again so you can see it while we go through it. So I'm looking at your page call to action click. So for those who don't know what that means, like on your on on the on blog posts, there are CTAs or on the website there are calls to action that drive people to a landing page. And so your page CTA clicks are 29, uh, which means you're all performing 50% of the uh, companies in the group, uh, you have 29 landing pages also. Um, but here's where, where, which, uh, here's where you're really doing something interesting. Um, for landing page views, you have 882 last month, I should say, and then submissions, you got 259 submissions on your landing page, uh, landing pages last month. I'm also going to do email marketing here too, because it looks like you sent almost 4,000, uh, uh, e emails to 4,000 people last month compared to the median of the group, which only sent 883. So you're outperforming 73% of the companies in the group uh, on that stat. And then what's even more impressive here is that you're outperforming 81% of the companies in the group in terms of emails clicked, which is 211. So the middle of your funnel seems to be doing really well. Like your traffic is better than everybody else's, but your lead volume um, is way better. Um, at least through your landing pages. So what is it, what is your, what is this offer you have that everybody wants that's getting people to fill out your landing pages? There's two categories. One is our HubSpot Salesforce integration course, which is hosted on a landing page that has a very high traffic volume. We created a course that's currently free. It will be re-released as a paid offering next year because I'm refilming some of it. I'm adding more stuff from 2024 and we're doing some fixes we should have done in the first place, like closed caption. Um, <laughs> and then the second, the second bucket of traffic is our live trainings. So I started doing free live training sessions last month. We've done two so far. We're doing one more before the year's out of just come, come as you are, ask me some questions before you come. And we're going to go through and just walk through step-by-step -step how to deduplicate records in the HubSpot Salesforce integration, how to solve sync errors. Our next one coming up two weeks from now is about selective sync versus an inclusion list in the integration. So these live trainings are just coming together to have some technical backgrounds. We spend like half of it on foundational knowledge of what's going on here. And then half of it of me screen sharing and doing a live demo of actually applying this and doing the work. Um, our first one ever had over 60 people sign up. Our second one had over 70. So as someone who used to do live events, that's really impressive for um, yeah. the first round. It's such a, I don't know if esoteric is the right word, but it's such an esoteric topic too. Um, and 
I find it strange that people would like carve out an hour, like just to learn that. Cause you're setting the subject, I'm sure. But it's like, so the, the work, the, the, like the stars really have to align for them to like, want to know that subject, block out an hour and then attend live. Um, so that's pretty crazy. And so we took the marketing approach to releasing it. So one day I, one of my, one of my good friends works as a sales exec or account exec at Salesforce. So I was sitting with him one day in Salesforce tower in New York. Um, and I was talking to the different sales reps there and I was like, well, what do you guys think? Like, what do you think people are missing? And they were like, well, webinars are kind of tired. Like what if you did like a live training session? And I was like, that's interesting. Um, and so I went on LinkedIn and was like, hey, guys, what if I did live training? What would you like to hear about? And people flooded that post um, okay. with ideas. And so all of our session content has been founded by that post of what people wanted. And so as we release them, I go back to this post and say, hey, this one's live. Sign up for it. Or, hey, this one's yeah. live. And so it was really user driven as far as what we train on. Yeah. OK, interesting. And it must be a mix of people who use the product, people who, like Salesforce reps, HubSpot reps, like everybody wants to to learn from you, I guess, because you've established mm -hmm. yourself and you are the expert. Awesome. Exactly. And it's also been really helpful for our pipeline, just so people know, like yeah. deals have slowed down this year. It's harder to convert. If people are in like the deal stage with us, like working on a deal, a lot of them will join that training and then sign the next week because they're then getting, they're getting an actual taste of what they'd get working with us. So yeah. That and they realize, oh, fudge, I can only absorb like 10% of what she's putting down. So like, I know I'm missing stuff. And so I need to hire her, right? It's probably what's happening. Exactly. More uh, I didn't follow that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get started, right? Um, I'll show you. Um, cool. All right. So let's wrap up with your sales numbers. Then we can talk you know, more about the business a little bit. But, um, but in terms of wrapping up with the, the numbers here, the benchmarks. Uh, let me get back to our screen. So on the meeting side, uh, you have 88 meetings, which is actually 51%. You're outperforming 51% of the companies in the group, which is crazy as a solo. Is that sales? Are those sales meetings or is that also like meetings you have with clients? Um, sales meetings. That's just sales meetings. Oh, wow. So you have 88 sales meetings in a month? I guess. That sounds like a lot. I don't know. Like forward uh, recently, but, I will say you might be counting some of your client calls too. It might be so counting some client meetings too, because that's that's a lot. Yeah. Um, we've yeah. had really high meal flow recently, but that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that. That's crazy. You, you if you're doing that, you've earned every penny you told me you're earning um earlier. I'm doing so like not, ten a week right now, but that's high. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like 40. So yeah, my guess is that you're doing some client that's counting client yeah. calls as well, which usually does. Um, so like for most agencies, when they log a meeting, it's either a sales meeting or a client yeah. meeting. So it totally makes sense. But you're right on par with the group, which as one person is kind of very impressive. Um, average time to close deals, 40, 54 days, which is right around the median. You're performing 56% of the group. Um, and then in terms of deals closed one, this is just last month's data. You closed five. Um, and I, if I look back at your historical benchmarks data here, I can see that you're closing somewhere between three and six, seven calls or six, I'm sorry, three, three to seven deals per month, seven on a good month. Uh, and then when I look at your deals, close one amount last month, you closed uh, almost $60,000 in revenue, uh, which is really good once again for a solo. Um, it looks like a little bit less the previous month. And um, so I'm guessing that's a little bit erratic for you it's like you said it's project work so i'm um, guessing your monthly 
books are closed one revenue, it goes up and down a bit. For sure. So yeah, we're all project basis. We do retainers for some people if they need that. Our smallest retainer is just 10 hours a month for me to serve as like HubSpot Salesforce support since those okay. direct supports don't necessarily cover the integration and do sync error management, stuff like that. But our retainers are a very small, if not non-existent part of our business. Like we just don't focus on that. So we are project basis. It's normally four to six weeks. I come in and do a repair or we do implement HubSpot too. Um, we haven't done many of those this you're, year, you're but like, you're like the mechanic that comes in and like fixes everything. Or you might be like the guy, the guy, gal that like assembles, assembles the vehicle originally, but you're yep. not doing the maintenance. You're not changing the oil. You're not, uh, you're not, you know, washing the car. You're not doing any of that stuff or you're trying to avoid that stuff. I should say. I have one client that's been on retainer since before I started Coastal. They have been a client of mine for years, and I am their outsourced HubSpot Salesforce admin. We have been through an acquisition together. We've been through so much, but they're our only retainer client right now. Um, okay. We also do like turnover. Like, let's say your HubSpot admin resigns and you need someone for two months while you hire a new one. I hop in for people and do that, too. It's just such a small part of our business, like our project size is anywhere from eight to 30,000. It usually falls somewhere in the middle as far as our average. Um, and I can get that done in two months or less. So whenever we're churning, we're churning high. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But then there are low months. Web, so Web design business for SMBs, yeah. Um, so before we jumped to the call, you shared revenue and margins. And I'm going to try to remember what you told me because I didn't write it down. But um, three years ago, um, you made around... Uh, Actually, you know what? Why don't you just share? What were your revenue? Yeah. What was your revenue the last two years? So revenue the first year was around six fifty, um, with net income being two thirty four in our first year as far as reported income. Um, and then last year our I'll switch around, but last year our net income was negative four. We took a loss last year. Um, and also big reason for that was we were overstaffed. Yeah, grown yep. the team. Yep. Grown the team. So our income was 660 for the year and net profit was four because um, we were largely overstaffed for what happened with the market. Mid-year deal flow stopped. Um, okay. So that made that challenging. I did have to do layoffs, which was traumatic to say the least. Um, and then this year we started with three. We're now just me and my sister. We kind of leveled out with what we wanted to do business-wise. Um, income for the year, we're at 340 with net profit being 135. Okay. It's kind of funny for like a solo to talk about net profit because it's all your money. Um, unless you're showing with, you know, your, your sister and your dog behind yeah. you there. But um, yes, but yeah, he's so very expensive. <laughs> really good income for one and a half people. Um, and yeah, you still got a month and a half here to, to blow it out. Uh, so that's, that's impressive. I think. Um, I haven't seen a lot of like people build an agency up and then go solo. I know a lot of people that like leave their job and go solo as a consultant and they can make 300, 400,000 after a year or two. Um, but doing it the way you're doing it, where you're offering, pro you know, project-based, um, very niche services is, uh, uh, is a impressive, impressive feat. Uh, yeah. Cause it means you can basically, you're the chief cook and bottle washer. That should be your. Your title, not chief marketing. Yeah. Because you're doing the sales, that's, you're doing the marketing, you're doing the work. 
That's why I don't go by CEO. Like technically, yes, you could call me a CEO, but I've never used that as my title. I've always used chief marketing nerd. Um, there was recently a LinkedIn post that was quite controversial about founder and CEO. Um, and I have never taken that title because I don't feel like a CEO. Um, I feel like a chief marketing nerd because I love what I do. I love nerding out with people about this stuff. And my primary secret weapon is being our marketing person. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like most, most people would think of you as a business owner, um, or a consultant. Right. Or yeah. So I think. Exactly. Makes sense sense, for sure. Um, so I think we covered it. Like, it seems like you you found this niche um, through somewhat happenstance of following, you know, passions in your career and started this business, uh, had a little bit of a, uh, you had success pretty quickly, but, and then maybe a little too much success caught by the, the downturn a little bit, or the, I should say the economic uncertainty that we've been dealing with for the last few years uh, and downsized to a solo. Um, still very profitable business, making a great living, have your marketing dialed in, have a course that helps you not just educate your, your prospects, but helps you, uh, get them onto a sales call where you can close them on relatively quick, uh, turnaround projects that you can do, which probably have game changing consequences for their ability to have their sales and marketing work together. So, um, I think you're adding a lot of value to the world online. So, uh, thank you for coming on to to share your story with us. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate that. That's super kind. I I try to do as much as I can to make my clients actually feel empowered. And usually when they're done working with me, they don't need me on retainer because they know how to use it now. And that's something I'm really proud of. Yeah, you should be. You should be. So once you have your course live and you're charging for it, um, we should have you maybe back on after a few months and we can talk about that because I think that adds a whole new element to your business. Um, I wouldn't call it passive income because you have to work at it. But but uh, it's certainly more passive or lower lower effort revenue for you versus project work. And um, I think things. it's the path a lot of, I think, creators take. It's like they build their audience, which you've done. They build a course. They charge for it. That, yeah, then they add consulting. Some people do in the reverse order, of course, um, where they start with consulting and then a course and then build their audience. But, but, uh, but I think you're, you're kind of fit into this classic, uh, what people are calling creator world now um with your expertise but clearly you're you're providing consulting professional service as well um yeah i think there's a renaissance coming i think there's going to be more and more people out there with that niche and they can relatively easily get their message out to the market because because they have a unique expertise that someone else doesn't have and you're a perfect example 100 percent. and i think one way or another you're going to see me involved a lot more in education next year so i've got some things in the works as far as what i'm going to do with that but there's going to be a big educational outburst as far as it comes um, from what I'm bringing to the market next year. And being a solo is going to enable me to do that. Um, and I'm really excited to uh, bring what I'm working on to market. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm excited to see what you're working on, too. We'll, I'll, we'll, be, we'll be following each other on LinkedIn, I'm sure. So we won't mi- I won't miss it. Cool. Yep. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to share with us. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.